For most men, there comes a point he has to man up and lose some weight. Most fall over the first hurdle, trying some extreme diet or fitness regime that's simply too hard or unrealistic to keep up. That's why Manshake was created, the simple and effective way to lose weight. So join us at themanshake.com.au and get started today. Hello and welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host Shane Lee. Today on the show, Justin Harrison, a former Australian Rugby Union player playing 98 first class matches for the Brumbies and Waratahs and 34 tests for Australia. He's currently the CEO of the Rugby Union Players Association and away from rugby, he's a foodie. He has a place in France. He's a very funny hey, man. Foodie. You're pregnant, Snake. I don't know how first class they were. I mean, they were appearances, right? Let's call them 98 appearances in Super Rugby. Whether they're first class or not remains to be seen. But I put the semi-professional, don't worry that. <laughs> hey, um, and Rod Kafer, a former Australian Rugby Union player as well. 89 matches for the Brumbies. Two of first class matches. Um, 12 tests for Australia. He's currently the head of Prime at Royal one Royal Broking. Um, away from sport, he's a mad golfer and also a very funny man. Hey, Cave. Hello, mate. <laughs> How are you? Also now, a funny man. So who, where's, where's the panel? Who's the panel? Who's the panel? Some sort of TripAdvisor review yeah. on funny. Now, we just caught up down at Gregan's 50th. Yeah. And it was one of the, it was somewhere down in Tasmania, I think it was a Bay of Fires. Yeah. And it was one of the um, funny sights for me. I remember going to bed one night and um, it was it was it was camping tents early. <laughs> I did go, go early, early second night the only person to go to bed at that time everyone else was still up so let's get that full disclosure TNC's down True early proof yes. instantly yep. but I did wake up in the middle of the night in this camping site and was with all these middle aged ex-sportsmen and it was like I was in the Rocky Mountains. It was like snoring. It was like bears were in, <laughs> in the darkness. Yeah. Well, look, that's, you see, you, you get an acute understanding of what ex-high-performance athletes do in the transition. Yes. They take the same sort of high-performance attitude that they had on the field when they were in the, in the real mix of it, right, in the yep. cauldron of sport. And the best way to apply that high-performance attitude after sport is to, is to really partake in the nocturnal opportunities, right? And, so, we, and we did. World-class yeah. drinking, yep. world-class backing up, except yep. for you. <laughs> I didn't back up all second Mate, day. we were. How many times we try and wake you up? Four or five? Well, you kept coming in my tent, and yeah. I, I, but I think my, I, was, I, I stuck to my guns. Mate, it was like trying to get a Canadian polar bear out of, or a Canadian brown bear out of bloody hibernation. <laughs> I was dead asleep. Now, we were just talking about off-air, about injuries and that sort of stuff, but... How's the body these days after now all, all those first class games between um, you? Yeah, it's okay. Look, it's you know, look, I'm I'm six foot eight. I'm already going to have an accelerated deterioration of various body parts because yep. that's just the way it is, right? <laughs> Origa- human origami into Qantas flights and folding yourself into taxis. Yep. Bad back, all that. But um, I'm actually not too bad. Shoulder and knee and ankles, usual collision sport injuries. Yep. It's getting a bit colder. You start to notice yeah, it a bit there, yeah. but that's all right. There's nothing that... And how's you know, your body, Rod? Brown ales can't f- <laughs> help. Well, you know when you go into it. You know when you yeah. take on the career. That yeah. You're going to, at some point, pay the price. Yeah. And you do pay the price, yeah. as, as all sports people do. It's actually... When, when I played the game, when I actually played rugby, the thing that I liked most about the game over time was actually the feeling of pain on a, on a day after the game. I actually liked mm. that feeling because you felt like you'd contributed. You'd actually yep. done something... You'd put your body through a test, 
and the pain was good. The pain not so good now <laughs> as I'm sitting in the 50 thinking, well, I wish I didn't have that same pain. Same time, Cove came off matches that we played and a little bit sore than he should have because he'd say something that would annoy me during the game. <laughs> so I'd actually give him a little bit of shooing as well. Like I'd shoo him as Try, well as the opposition. Right, back right. when rucking was allowed. He's like, how, do I, how, how, do, how have I got these tag marks on yeah. my back? I tell you, you talk about discipline for, for elite sportsmen, but... Um, I had no idea after that weekend, do some research today, that at 15 you were diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. <laughs> you didn't take it very seriously yeah. that weekend. You wouldn't, you wouldn't know it with the way I'd, that is, How much sugar is in beer and wine? Consume alcohol. Yeah. I'm a, I've had some time to okay. really work out how okay. to do it and do okay. it well, Shana, you know. And over the years, I've managed to balance it out reasonably well. But yes, I was... You know, diagnosed as, as a young man. Isn't that tough with, at 15? Well, it, it, I mean, it's tough for anyone. I mean, all, many, many people have got, you know, yep. um, health challenges for some description or another. Uh, yeah, I was diagnosed at the age of 15. I had a doctor tell me right at that age that I should give up playing rugby, which is actually the thing that inspired me. And I talk a lot about this it, it, to, to diabetic kids that, that um, you know, you can do whatever you like. I had someone tell me that I couldn't, shouldn't, should give up rugby at that point in time. It was the thing that inspired me mm. to go and try to play for Australia. Was sure. was what really drove me. And um, you know, I, I managed, you know, managed to keep it all together. I've managed to avoid at this stage, Touchwood, any of the sort of long-term complications Good. of diabetes. I've had it for now for 35 years. Um, still in reasonable control. Still enjoy a beer. Yeah, sure. Just, Understand how to drink Gaff it properly. Gaff was very good at managing it during his career, right? We never really noticed it. Yeah, okay, gotcha. There was one time after we <laughs> won the final. No, we'd no, lost the we'd final. We'd lost the final 2000. Yeah. Uh, drink, takes, 97. And we all, know that, we all know that drinking to forget is far more intense than drinking yes. a victory, right? Because there's whole lots of baggage. Sure. Now, we were out one time. Well, this is probably the seventh hour straight. Anyway, we're going hard at it. We're at a club, and the barman, we know the barman, he comes up to me, and he, I'm on the dance floor cutting some serious maypole shapes, and, uh, and, and he says to me, go, go, hey, mate, Cave's gone to, Cave's just been carted off to hospital. He's having a bit of a sugar problem. All right. Yeah, and I'm like, mate, wow, what are you drinking? <laughs> Well, there was a small amount, but How it was long? the confidence, the faith. Well, about a second. And, uh, <laughs> and, and that's the faith I had in Cave. To, I just knew that he was going to be all over it, and I was going to probably get in the way. So my yeah. job was best to sure. carry on, to keep yeah. the lights on. Someone had to. I always hear in rugby that uh, you know, the, you know, the argument between the forwards and the backs, right? And who's best and who does what. But, but Georgie Gregan was saying that. A number of times, the reason why he's, he's beautiful shaped head now, it still looks so good, he used to put your big hand over his head when people try to, try, try to step on him. Uh, Is that true? Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> not at all. He was if trying someone, to step on me someone, that time. Oh, he's doing sure in cave. <laughs> I did, I did, I did, I did feel like I, I probably took it a bit personally if people were trying to get in the way of my teammates sure. doing their job yep. for a start, yep. which was to win matches. Because yep. it was a job then. Yeah. When yep. it became professional, it became a job. Immensely enjoyable, but also I took offence when someone was was wanting to sort of willfully hurt one of my teammates. Griggs, you know, he's our captain, and sure. l- let me tell you, if you want to get picked in the team, the captain's the one you look after, right? Yeah, so yeah. I, I I worked <laughs> good, out earlier that yeah, if I yeah. if I throw myself on the sword for Griggs, put myself in harm's yeah. way for him. I'm a chance at the selection table every time he gets asked, what do we think about Gould? You know, is he worth carrying again for another game? And I'm just like, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm in again. Makes a lot of sense <laughs> It now. wasn't skill. But I remember um, uh, 
a rugby league player, one of my best mates, Corey Pearson, uh, played for the Dragons and mm-hmm. Tigers. Um, mm-hmm. And we played against Corey and I played against Gregan under-17s. And Corey nicknamed um, Gregan, who was the opening batsman, little guy, he called yeah. him Webster. And those watch their 80s TV. And um, he, said, he said to Webster, we're going to buy yourself a set of men's pads. Um, but years later, we played this charity game. And Gregan's still into his, into his cricket, right? He loved his batting. Loves he it. got 40. And it was the hottest day on record. We played at a home bush. It was about 45 degrees. And, um, and Gregan had just got out of the hot shower. And Corey had got a duck. He was in the ice bath. And as he got out of the ice bath, Gregan walked out of the shower... Corey said, oh, mate, I'd like to spend the ice bath. He said, sure you have, Corey. <laughs> well, George, man, wasn't he? George talks, about, George talks about his cricketing days. He, he loves his cricket. Yeah. Um, and, he was a, and, and as you know, he's a decent cricketer. Yeah. Talks about that. He's told me that story yeah. independent of you telling me that story. <laughs> Not about getting out of the showers, but certainly, um, you know, facing, facing some quick yeah. stuff from yeah. you guys. Yeah. And being on the back foot a little bit and trying to... He, he told me about playing against Ricky Ponting once in the, maybe the 19s. He did, yeah. 79, yep. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and Ricky had come and scored 100 on the day and George said he was fielding at a backward square and Ricky's jumped on the back foot and just pulled one around the corner. He said he's never he, he's never feared for his life as that ball was coming for his head. He said he's never seen a ball hit as hard as yeah. that. It's going from... Got nowhere near it um, and went through for four, but talks about his cricketing days. He, he loved great. his cricket. He, yeah. well, he, he, he was the Viv Richards of Canberra. Yeah, he was. he was. Yeah, yeah. The little webster. Hey, we used to play against Brummies v Raiders. Used to have a cricket okay. charity day. Yeah. Mm. Mark Bartholomew's was handy. Greg's, mm. David Knox. Yeah. He was playing for Reading most of the time. But it, mate, Phil, Phil, Phil Wall, your, your new CEO, he was a wicketkeeper too. I think. Was he? Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Apparently. Was he good, Glovman? <laughs> well, 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 just on that. How's he going to go as CEO? Well, it remains to be seen. But yeah. you know, look, he's um, he's got the right ingredients for for, for what. Well, look, this is this is opinion now, right? Okay, so yeah, they're, yeah, they're sure. like they're like hairstyles. Everyone's got one. <laughs> that's, that's a nice way of putting it. Yeah, as well. um, but um, it's uh, it's you're doing a lot of talking with your hands there, mate. You a, really don't know no, what no, to this say. Is yeah. a visual, yeah. Well, there's a camera in front of me, so <laughs> some sort of iPad for those viewers that don't know. I've got my resting angry face on. I'm wearing a very nice shirt. Too, let me way. let me just answer this yes, question because yes, the politician the politician over there won't. Um, there's there's a couple of things the game need. We have an excellent chairman at the moment. Our, our chairman yep. is operating like an executive chairman. He's almost like the CEO. He's yeah. done a fantastic job. He's been our best chairman in rugby for such a okay. long period of time since probably the late great um, the, the late um, former chairman of Rugby Australia uh, which was the AU, David Clark. Yep. I think was probably the last one in the late yeah, 90s, that's early true. 2000s. Hamish has done a fantastic job. He's taken the fight. He's picked an enemy, and that's New Zealand. Mm. He's taken the fight to the enemy. He's given us something to rally behind, and he's really revitalised the game. And what he needs in a CEO is probably someone who he's close to, who he can trust, who understands him, and who can execute his vision. So, you know, from that perspective... Stakeholder engagement, right? Yeah. Yeah. Move people across one side of the room to the other. Give him the battle cry and the war cry. And listen, yeah. guys, I've been there before and I know how you feel about this bipartisan imagery yeah. of you yeah. know, five states and we've got to all have this myopic view of each other. Swing the long bat, Hamish. I'm, I've got them. And, I, and by the way, okay. these are the next two or three weeks of press and this is why why we're doing it and this is where we're going as well. You're mm. spot on. You know. And it's, I'll tell you, the, the other thing is, he in, in some ways, it's, it's like a... Um, uh, a juxtaposition for Phil War. It's it's really like he's everything that is wrong with an appointment for CEO, but could be everything that is right gotcha. for an appointment okay. that's CEO. 
you know, is everything wrong because he's from Shaw School? Hamish <laughs> was from Shaw. You the, know, it's the, the very, lunatics are on the asylum. It's very insular, Sydney, Waratah, yeah. very that focus, yeah. which is going to be a, 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 a challenge, a challenge, yeah. and a criticism that yeah. Phil Wall will will face immediately. However, that's his opportunity to grow beyond yes. this tiny little okay. myopic view, and history will judge whether Wally does a great job of that or not. But it's everything that's wrong, and potentially everything that could be right, okay. because. Um, you know, Phil's, Phil's a battler. He's a fighter. He's he's done all the things that a little man in rugby has to yeah, do, like yeah, he did. Yeah. And that's battle and play above his weight. He's demonstrated that. Um, you know, it, we, we wish him well. It's not, you know, and also we keep thinking that we need this messiah, right, to, to right the ship. Yeah, when actually now all of the all of the member unions and participating Super Rugby clubs, they need to make a decision now. Players Association as well needs to make a decision to start adding value and solutions yeah, instead also. of reasons to detach from what is a convoluted governance system, still federated models, still yep. provides you with many opportunities to detach from what is commonality of thought and what is better better for the rugby ecosystem from under sixes all the way up to Wallabies, right? So one person, one chairman is going to swing the bat. One person is going to give you the information and detail and transparency that you need yep. to be reassured that you can see yourself in that story. And that's the part that we're still missing as well, right? That that bottom part of decision to say, you know what? I'm going to get on board. I see myself in this picture. The, the notion of compromise to advance things yep. is always going to have to be any collective bargaining, any agreement has the parties involved walking away with an imperfect agreement, but mm. you advance things. Rugby Australia has developed new levels of, in, of inertia in the last little while. Let's hope we start advancing well, things let, forward. Let's hope because it, it just seems from 1999 <coughs> in Australia where we won the Cricket World Cup, we won the Rugby World Cup, mm. we won netball. I think we're even the world darts champion then. We, we beat the bombs Should have been. Should have been. Yeah. Um, but, um, we're we're the it, world champion Prime Minister sculling record yeah, well, we had everything we had everything was, but, the traffic un, cabinet was un, un, full but, but it just it just seems that rugby greatest. things went missing yeah. quite a bit and now you're head of the, the players association how, mm. have you found that transition from a player to effectively being head of the players union uh, well on the face of it things easy right I know this I know this I've seen this movie before yep. I'm a yep. past player member I've been a yep. director KF's president I was a yep. president you know you sort of think how hard is it but you know once you, once you start to understand the, the detail and, and level of um, stakeholder engagement required to advance things and also compromise quite often you know things that make sense um, arrive in a different format on the ground because they've been pulled apart by different stakeholders okay, gotcha. you know, galvanising 200 plus 215, 20-odd professional athletes from various socioeconomic backgrounds mm. and cultural beliefs and, and senses of entitlement and or not, different stages of career, um, professional women's sevens players, semi-professional women's 15s, mm. putting them all together into a, into a, uh, a framework of a collective bone game is a real challenge. It's mm. also very exciting because ultimately players are very good problem solvers. You've come to recognise they're very good at doing what they're told. If they can see... Most players, you will remember, yeah. where's the benefit for me first? Right. How are you going to make me better? Yep. And then how is this going to make the game better that I'm a part yep. of? You know, yeah. if you can tell those stories with confidence. And I think that's the right order too. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, which is not selfishness. No. You know, there's a big opportunity cost when you decide to sign on the line. Mm. And and I defy anyone as an 18 or 19 year old to be offered two scenarios. One scenario is living, for, uh, making $5 last as long as you can and living from all you can eat night to all you can eat night and struggling through six years of university and coming out with an average income of 65 grand. Yep. Or 19 will sign you on an average income of 142 grand. Okay. So, this thing called Super Rugby and you'll be professional. We're going to take you to. Um, World Cups and you're going to be a wallaby and we're going to put your name up in lights and how good is this and here's a free pair of boots. Mate, is that a hard decision? Yeah. But if you say also, but by the way, when you get spat out the other end, not yeah. spat out, when you're at the end of your journey, yep. 30, 30 plus yep. maybe, most players retire overseas in the Australian system, mm-hmm. you're detached, you've got probably 2.4 kids, you've got a mortgage somewhere, <laughs> you're you're off you're off the speed That's train kids, and you're into... You're yeah. In, yeah, the point for kids is... is Carnage, They're hard right? to deal with, aren't they? You're probably onboarding a, a dog as soon as you get back as well, right? <laughs> Throwing a pet just for chits and giggles. You know, that sort of stuff. Mm. But that's where the Players Association comes in. You know, train education, support services, well-being is a big, big, mm. hot, hot issue. You know, when we have induction camp for 60 or 70 new athletes every year, the top of the list is not remuneration or stardom or, or, or you know, owning many different you know houses and all sorts of stuff it's well-being it's well-being and mental health services and, and assurances that they're going which to be which is supported. really important i think yeah it's huge okay Kafer, um you regarded as like one of the most and sort of analytical players and you went into commentary um so what's your lens now when you when you watch watch the watch the rugby game live are you still very analytical uh, the good thing is I'm coming off a very low base, so it's really easy to be analytical <laughs> with the people I'm dealing with. Comic you book. And you Comic said book also, analysis is what we call I, I know you, you, did, you did introduce Justice being quite funny. Honestly, for the last three months I've been asleep. It was a well, mate, I'm not here to please you, pal. <laughs> if, I, if I allow myself to your level of humour, no one's got a chance. Guys. So we're here at the Morrison Hotel on George Street. If you have not been in here, the food's out off the charts. The steak, the oysters, unbelievable. So today, we're going to start with some oysters. I think we're going to do it three different ways. And we can't go past the Jack's Creek Wagyu cooked on the bone. We're going to have that. And then um, the spuds here with truffle. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. Nice little green salad. We'll wash it down with a nice cold beer and maybe a glass of Chardonnay. Well, let's get started. For most men, there comes a point he has to man up and lose some weight. Most fall over the first hurdle, trying some extreme diet or fitness regime that's simply too hard or unrealistic to keep up. That's why Manshake was created. Packed with protein and low in sugar, it's sure to keep you full throughout the day, not to mention it's only $2.49 a meal. Over half a million Aussie guys have lost weight the Manshake way. So join us at themanshake.com.au and get started today. Hi, this is Mary Kay from Ladies Who League, and let me tell you, I've listened to so many rugby league podcasts. Fire Up's one of them. Find Fire Up on any podcast app. So you, you, you now you now work in the um, in, in the breaking space. So, so yeah. you obviously have an analytical. Well, look, the, the game was very look. The game was very analytical to me, yeah. because, only because quickly I recognised that I was not particularly athletic, small, short, fat bloke <laughs> trying to do his best. Shadows, yeah, you yeah. can attest to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know the model well. Uh, just, just trying to battle yeah. away. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> good shadow. You throw a good shadow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, what, what I what I realised is that my limitations were actually physical, but they didn't need to be mental about the way the game. Okay. Play, and I actually spent a fair bit of the the latter part of my career 
in in that analytical mode of trying to design how teams I was in would would play. And largely, I had two philosophies. One, trying to work out the best way to play. Two, trying to work out a way to play that best suited me as well so I could keep my position in the team. So that's really what I did. And I devised ways to play that tried to make me look good. I had an influence over yeah. the way teams played. Basically telling everyone else how to design a game plan that made him look good. So everything I soon realised that everything I was Go trying to, right, to do was a game right. plan yep. for him to yeah. look better. No, yeah. I, I manipulated, manipulated <laughs> all these stupid blokes up front who, you know, well, dumb as dog shit, to be fair. What, when you're talking about backs and forwards, blokes we knew up what front, was going on. We, yep. we knew how to control them. And we created a, we created a model that was Largely successful, really, um, for, for a long period of He's time. He's grabbing a knife, by the way. <laughs> See that? <laughs> Those late 90s in rugby, it was, it was the golden era of, of Australian rugby, yeah. you know, for a couple of reasons. One, you know, we, we, we developed a, um, you know, leading into the Sydney Olympics, and largely sport in this country during that period of time, there was a, a great influence and a great amount of money that got invested off the back of the Olympics. Yep. All sports benefited from that. It whether did. it was cricket, yep. you know, all sports benefited. Yep. And we had a fantastic period of time. Rugby was a beneficiary of a lot of that investment in sport. And we were able to take the game forward and, and you know, win, you know, do things that we were, you know, probably in, in years gone by not nearly as consistent in doing. Um, well, mate, surely. I, our, I reckon our best export is sport. It is. For, we're the most successful for, for the well, if you look per capita that we are. It was. And, it, was. But, it was. You're right. It was. And AIS programs and all sorts of those things. Um, if, you look, if you look at Australia, Australia's history, we, we, do, we do three things well. We, we, we pull shit out of the ground in mining. Mm. Yep. We grow shit well on top of it. Sure. And then we play sport. Mm. Right? And, and, and I think if you look in recent times, well, where the agriculture's going and then you look at the mining side, it's, it's, it's a bit of a downturn. Mm. Sport, sport's where it's at. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, it, and the issue we've got is that the rest of the world have just caught we, up to we, us. We jumped ahead, yeah, uh, very quickly on the back of some some really good um, sports science knowledge. So, Kate, mm. you know, you you were right in the mix there with the sports. Um, uh, what was it called? Australian. No, Crick Canberra Sports Idiot Society. Because you used to wear your tracksuit around everywhere. What was that? Nerd tracksuit zipped up. He came, you know, he came to my 21st. ACT Academy of Sport. That's yeah. it. That, that was, yeah. That's yeah. why I didn't know about it. It was no, the ACT. No. Yeah, yeah, correct. Um, but, you know, we jumped ahead because everyone else, rugby particularly, professionalism yep. arrived. All of a sudden, everyone had a bit of money to spend on, mm. the, on the bar tab. Yeah, sure. Right? But... And everyone trained a lot more. Yep. They didn't really know no. <laughs> what, what, what to do. Meant, yeah. right? well, how do we, what do we do now? We've got yeah. 18 more hours a week available. <laughs> Whereas Australia kind of knew what to do pretty quickly. You know, dietitians, st- mm-hmm. strength programs, somatotype testing for people who are going to come in or out of the program on the back of AIS programs leading into the Olympics. Cape's point about rowers and identifying netballers and basketballers and all those sorts of things. I mean, it still remains a mystery. We weren't, I was, well, I don't know about you, but Cape, certainly not. If we'd have been somatotype tested back then, there's no way they'd have recommended. No. You're probably dwarf throwing or something. You talk about dietitians. Well, one of the new sponsors on Lunch with Lee is Manshake. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. right. Manshake. So I'm going to be taking the Manshake Challenge now. Albeit, I'm, I'm about to get on a, on a plane in about two weeks' time. What is time. the challenge? What is it? Well, I'm going to try and lose some weight. And I think yeah, I, I eat too much. Do you, I drink too much, yeah. How do you do it? Well, I'm going to use it. Shakes. Just take Manshakes, yeah? Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's proving it works. Is that it? 
I know yeah. other people obviously have done yep. it as well. Have used is it the man shake that works or the fact that you're no longer eating or drinking and no longer That's sociable right. and it's living a combination, in a cave? Isn't it? Well, I, th- oh, I think I'd sort of be sociable, but I think it? it's about um, planning and, and, and replacing meals when you can. They're well known. Um, Adam yeah. McDougall, the, the former rugby league player, um, yeah. started the business. Mm-hmm. It's been very, very successful, and there's been a lot of very, very positive outcomes. So yeah. I'm going to give it a go, mate. Good on you. Good I on mean, maybe you, you should too, Cove. Mate, you lost a lot of weight, though. You were like yeah. a big pregnant eel. You were I was. Well, big heart, and fat. Surgery, heart surgery will do that too. <laughs> have you had heart surgery? Open I did heart, heart surgery. Open heart surgery. Well, what happened there? Well, I had a stroke, Shane. I should have Last year, about this uh, early last year. Yeah, I had a stroke. We found a found a, um, a, a congenital hole in my heart, two centimetre hole in my heart, a faulty wall, and yeah, it took me down real, for a little while. Honestly, when they went Pretty in, hard. and they <laughs> sewed the heart so, with so, this so, so this is, <laughs> where's the this hole? is the thing, this is the thing, right? So I said, I, this is pretty punchy, <laughs> I'd have... Come on, mate. It's not that funny. It was I pretty... I sit down for, to tell these blokes yeah. like this because it's pretty punchy. We had to head into this punchy. heart surgery yeah. stuff. They're going to open me up. And, um, you know, doctor says, mate, you should do oil. So that's not great when the surgeon says that. Yeah. And, you know, have you got a current one? Have you told me? Yeah. So we'd go through, go around the grounds. I get my, my crew of three good mates, you know, two yeah. blow-ins. Cave's done how you got to start. You know, I get the call. said, boys, I've... Found this tile in my heart. I'm going to have to go. There's, there's a strong, there's a chance. Not coming out of it. But anyway, just letting you know. They all ponder on it for about five seconds, and then Cave goes, "Wow, well, that answers it." Then we've always thought you were half-hearted. <laughs> That's it. That was just that like was only just blokes, only teammates can do. Yeah, and then yeah. it started. Yeah, then, no, then no, no, it was. It was. Well, it was okay where, 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 where are you at now? No, I'm all right now. They fixed it like a grease yeah. and oil change, really. Okay. Mechanical repair, which was niggle at the time. They opened me up here. Had a robot-assisted Da Vinci, da yep. Vinci robot-assisted atrial defect repair. So they opened the right side of my chest, dug in under, deflated my lung, collapsed Jesus. my lung, went across, stitched Seriously. and repaired. Does, did um, anything run in the family? Is heart no, in general, no, it's not, it's not, a, not a hereditary right, okay. uh, issue. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a bit. It was pretty scary. I was I was licorice in the right arm and right leg for a while. My Jesus. speech wasn't great, but we're good now. But you know, if all you people listening, all you yeah. however many, just get a we just get a checkup. And I've been saying that for a while. After particularly Shane Warne, the, the the one thing that came out of Warney's death was that people get their hearts yeah, checked. Yeah, I know was Brett a spike. And, and our whole family did. Yeah. Um. So if you haven't had it done, go and get it checked because it's. Uh, I've had two mates have actually. Uh, one 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 guy I've known through another good mate. He went in and had open heart surgery only two days later. Oh, really? Yeah. He, wow. he had uh, pretty much most of his arteries blocked, well, yeah. Oh. Mate, the surgeon said to me... He's only 42. I can't understand how you played and done all that stuff. I said, yeah, yep. mate, I can't either. But actually, on the field was probably the safest place through my whole life, given yep. what I've done. What do you mean? I said, well, mate, he, there's a clip here of me getting tasered voluntarily in South Africa on tour. So you you tell me whether whether Boone on the field very funny one of the funniest clips you'll ever see. Yeah. Oh god, yeah, tasered. We won't put that up on the podcast. Well, that's yeah. the peer group pressure, right? Yeah. So we're sitting around on tour. Uh, we're about to play paintballs, taking ages, right? One of those team building things. Yeah. Can't have fun, paintball. And I hear a bit of a conversation happening. And someone says to me, Matt Gitter actually says to me, "Good, would you get tasered?" And I thought it was just one of those, you know, yeah. role play questions. And I'm thinking, <laughs> right, I'm a chance to be a hard man. Yeah, yeah, yeah I probably would. Yeah. yeah, I'd get tasered. Back to my dirt yeah. quandaries. And, and, and then all this, oh, good, 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 no problem. There's energy's up. 
the energy's up in the group. I'm thinking, what's going on here? So the South African security guard is on two wheelers. Goes, yeah, okay, no problem. And he pulls out his taser gun. And I'm like, mate, what are you doing? He said, yeah, I'm going to taser you. And I said, no, 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 that's, yeah, you've got, so it's, everyone's got their iPhones out. Now I've got to go through with it, right? So. So then we go, so there's a whole checklist. Before kicks you, you had to hold the heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the whole heart's punching away, right? So <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm like, okay, how good a shot is he? Right, so you can't, I can't be front on because I had visions of him harpooning me in the eyes. One of those harpoon ones, right? If he misses yeah, yeah, and blinds yeah. me, yeah, right, I yeah. survive the thing, but yeah, I'm blinded, yeah, right? I'm, yeah. I'm burnt. And so then I'm like, okay, no problem. So you can shoot me in the, you can shoot me in the gluteal yeah. or sort of lower back, yeah, yeah. probably the safest. Sure. Then I go to the doctor. I say, doc. Yeah. You know, yeah. am I chance to? Am I going to have a heart attack here? Yeah. And he said, "Well, I don't know. Have you got a history of in your family?" I said, "Well, mate, my family's never been tasered before, so I don't know." <laughs> well, can you give me a bit of help here? <laughs> right. So then I go, I go to the third, which is probably the most. Right. I said, "Look, yeah. am I going to? Am I going to lose control of my body? Right? Am I yeah, going to? Sure. Am I going to shit myself?" Yeah. <laughs> and he said, "Well, mate, there a chance. Who knows?" So then, but you're going to be incapacitated, he said. He's going to lazo you. So, right, okay. Now, then I'm, so then I'm, thinking, then I'm thinking, okay, he's going to shoot me in the back. I'm probably going to pitch forward. So Dude, now I don't want to drive the teeth through the front of my face if I just face plant into this hard deck, right? So I have Stephen Larkham and Celeste Mafu to hold my arms yes. while this bloke, so he's about two metres behind me. And he goes, are you ready? And I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. And, and, he, and, and we had a deal. We said, like, 10 seconds. Yeah. You can zap me for 10 seconds. Yeah. And turn it off, yeah. right? So, one, three, two, one, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, I'm down. The oak tree's straight down. Bernie lets me go. Steve Larkin. Yeah. Bernie lets me yeah. go. So Leslie Marfu's fingernail Peterson. I hit the deck at warp speed. Jesus. Don't hit my face. Um, Bernie later on on investigation and extreme interrogation from me. Like, why'd you let me go? Thanks for your... He said, mate, I thought I was going... I thought the electric thing was going to pass through me. I said, mate, you're not a, you're not a fucking steel rod, mate. It's yeah. not going to pass through you. It's not a lightning strike. So then I'm on the ground, and then he, he hits me again on the ground. Nick hits you again? Yeah, so... How's it? So when I... Yeah, how's it? So when I explained to my heart surgeon... Listen, mate. Listen, mate. This is the sort of person I was off the field. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I get it. Okay, no problem. Uh, let... We're glad it didn't happen over there. Jesus Christ. Taser. Well, speaking about being Don't get tasered. Speaking about being tasered, we're going we're to do Coach and Eddie Jones. How's he going to go with the boys? <laughs> with cattle prod. Uh, that's right. <clears throat> One thing about there are, in, in every sport, in, 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 um, in any profession and in every sport, there's a few people who are always at the top of their game. Yep. Um, and, and we know there are, there are great coaches. Wherever they turn up, they find a way to make teams okay. better. Eddie... Um, you know, lots of people in Australia won't necessarily recognise um, all of the things that Eddie's done throughout his career. You know, he was a... So you're a big fan, Rod? He's a, he's a mate of mine. I'm a okay. big fan. Yep. Okay. He's the best coach I ever had. Coached me for five years. There you go, okay. As well. Mm. Um, he, he was that last Wallaby coach to win the Bledisloe Cup. Yep. Last Wallaby coach to you're win welcome. the Tri-Nations. Tri <laughs> yeah. Google claimed he had some, <laughs> something to do with that. Is that pre or post-taser? You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> post-taser. Pre. Took, took, took the Wallabies, good losses this game, but took the Wallabies to the 2003 <laughs> Rugby World Cup final. Yep. Uh, yeah, if yeah. Google had missed the tackle, we'd be okay. But uh, yeah. lost that. Then, then How went was to, it watching from row four? Yeah, it was yeah, good. good. Then, then went to South Africa <laughs> and um, went to South Africa, won a World Cup 
as as the real head coach of, of yeah. the Springboks, then took Japan to you know at, at this the greatest upset in World Cup history. Upset, upset in World Cup history. Um, in 2015, took Japan for the first time to the quarterfinals, then took England and was yep. the most successful coach ever with England. This is a guy, everywhere he's gone, at an international level, yep. he's been successful. He, he's always wanted to come back and coach yep. the Wallabies. He feels like, you know, when unfinished he... Unfinished business. Unfinished business. Yep. He's, okay. he's that. And he's he is singularly the best... Oh, his greatest strength as a coach is that he has the, the ability to find the things in each player yep. that they need to get better. He's going to do one of two things. He's either going to, he's going to challenge you so much yep. that you're either going to get better yeah, or you're going to get out of there. And well, it's yeah. one or the other. Well, yeah. at least you eliminate the weaknesses straight away, Gets I think. Get rid of them. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. And you either, you either love Eddie because he had that ability to get the best out of you or you hate you're him gonna fight it. because yep. he never did. And maybe they deserve to be there anyway. And, and you know coaches like that. Yeah. It's the same in every yeah. sport. He's yep. the best in the business. He's in the top two or three coaches at any stage in the world ever um, in rugby. Um, he's always been in that bracket. It's great to have him back for the Wallabies. Yeah. He'll do a good job. We've got a team in the world who's seventh in the world at the moment. Seventh. Jesus. Our, it's too late for the Wallabies. Our, our opportunity is yeah. can we get ourselves from time to time into being second or third best and then occasionally be the best. That's going to be his challenge. Stay with us because we'll be back after this short break. Someone you love could die of a sudden cardiac arrest at any age, any fitness, at any time. More than 80% happen at home, and chances of survival decrease by 10% every minute. And sadly, in Australia, around 50 people die from cardiac arrest a day while waiting for the ambulance to arrive. But now, you can increase your chances of survival with Cellade, the world's first mini personal defibrillator. It's simple to use, and as small as a block of chocolate. Every home should have a Cellade. It's really a lifesaver. Buy your Cellade at Cellade.io. That's C-E-L-L-A-E-D dot I-O. If you're enjoying this episode, maybe check out a previous one where I spoke to the current Wallabies coach, Eddie Jones, with England coach, Brendan McCallum, where we spoke about all things cricket, the Ashes, rugby, and rugby World Cups. I was going to say, mm. Gook, um, talking about challenging people, um, what, what happened to when you're overseas, you're playing overseas and you, you just get a bit, a bit of sledging over there? And um, was there a few times where they, they, they took umbrage to it? <laughs> which, That's a difficult question so to which, answer. Which, one, which, which incident are you referring to? You need to talk you through half a dozen of the of, of incidences. I could probably get to, one that's quite notable is Ulster v Toulouse, yeah. Trevor Brennan incident. So I'll, I'll give you the quick one. So Ulster v we're playing the Heineken Cup. I'm playing for Ulster at Ravenhill. Toulouse come over. Trevor Brennan's an Irish bloke. He's the bloke that yes. Todd Ikefu one-dotted his face off in 99, right? Punched mm. his nose around his head about 14 times <laughs> and spread it across it. And then so uh, we're playing this game. I'm having a bit of a ding-dong with him. It's pretty cool, right? Because back you could lay a few in off the ball. So we're going one all. You know, two one, two two all, three two. Right over, he's worn one on me late, and the game's finished. So he, uneven ledger, right? So I'm thinking, right, return leg. We get to France in Toulouse just before Christmas. Uh, he's on the bench. He comes off the bench, first breakdown, whack, right in his button. Yeah. And I said, that's from Keth. And <laughs> for all, right? And he gets up, and he's read Miss Peterson straight into me. He's like, rah, trying to bite my ear and hugging me, rah, just windmilling towards him. I'm thinking, Jesus, that's a proper reaction there. 
And so take him down. We wrestle on the ground, but he's in my ear going, oh, you have a still having, well, I'm after the game, I'm going behind. Proper old school yeah. school stuff, right? See yeah. the bus stop, you know? Yeah, gotcha. And I'll see you behind the stand, right? In this Irish thing, in our accent. And, uh, and then so he, we get up and the referee uh, red cards him for that. And I don't get carded because he didn't yeah. see me lay yeah. in the yeah. sweet spot. Anyway, so I position myself between where he's getting sent off and the jog to the thing. And I lay a few F-bombs on him, right? He still have an F and told me where we're F and going after the game, you Irish. Right? Ref hears me. Yeah. Right, your offers, your yellow carded, unsportsmanlike yeah. like language. I'm like, mate, have you just, you know the game of rope? What part of it is sportsmanlike? Anyway, so I'm close enough to him, so I grab him like we're into it. I was yeah. just like, bugging, might as well yeah. just yeah. climb into it now. Yeah, so Betty, yep. we're stinking each other, and the crowd are going nuts, right? This Ulster, Justy Harrison, you're our man, yeah, after the game. Yeah. They separate, after the game, yeah. yeah, thanks for sticking up for us, mate, this is yeah. amazing. So it turns out, during the warm up, when Trevor Brennan's about to get sent on by like Guy Novas, the French coach, to come in for me to one dot him and four all it, and then all that stuff happens. He's heard something from the crowd, from the Ulster crowd, that said something about his pub or whatever, his family or something. Just a bit of niggle banter. Yeah, just made him up, yep. So Trevor Brennan jumped the fence, three rows back, six seats in, lassoed this bloke <sighs> with his left hook, broke yeah, his Jesus. jaw, broke his in jaw, the crowd, yeah. and then... Get, Red Miss Peterson gets back down onto over the field. Guy Novas goes, Trevor, you're, you're on. on. <laughs> so Harrison's thinking, right, here's my chance for Trevor. Trevor's coming on just about killed this bloke in row four, and I'm whack. And so then he's coming, and there was, and then Ulster crowd think that I've seen that. So they're like, yeah, Dusty Harrison's sticking up for us. Right, there you go. There's, How good's there's that? a short one. But okay. I'll tell you what, there's a few games I've played story. where I want to jump the fence and punch the, <laughs> the crowd as well. Hey, I ask everyone who comes on lunch with me, I'll ask you first, Rod. Um, uh, a young boy or girl wants to go into the professional world oh, and play rugby. What go. advice would you give them? Um, oh, he's got oh, a couple of kids that he's yeah. given advice yeah. to now if they uh, listen to him. Yeah. Uh, look, um, from, from, a, from a sporting perspective, the thing that, that from... from um, the way I thought about um, how to get better is that every single day I wanted to find a way to make myself just a tiny bit better. And then over the, the accumulation of time, you can turn yourself from being an average player, yep. an average athlete, into a decent enough athlete yep. to, to be professional. So my thing was always every single time I went out to train or play, I wanted to find a way to get just a tiny bit, bit better, better. Yep. knowing that every time that I did, if I continue to do that, the cumulative, the, the, the compounding effect of that yeah. will see me get better. And, and that's the thing I, I, I have told people before, mm. which, you know, that's my greatest piece of advice. And, and Justin, I, what advice would you give oh, a young boy? I'd, say, I'd, go, I'd go right back to, to the, my dad told me that I should join the rugby union team because I might see the world. That was, that was the back He's of right. his advice. He's right. Uh, and secondly, I would tell them that um, rugby is going to be a great addition to your life, but don't let it define you. Mm. You've got to have lots of other things happening alongside that are going to contribute to your aspirational achievements on, yeah. the, on the field. And ultimately, it's going to be one person's decision that's going to pull you through different doorways. You've just got to make sure you're ready for those opportunities. Yeah. When, and that speaks to Kay for about opportunity improvement, putting yourself in front of challenging moments and reacting to extreme disappointment um, bravely and celebrating high achievement with all of the people around you and recognising their contribution to that. So, that's, I mean, that's a long sentence for a 10-year-old because no, I've got yeah. a 10-year-old yeah. now who thinks he's going to be, you know, the next um, 
Uh, what's who's his favourite? Bruce Hodges, his favourite okay. player. So, okay. I've, I've, well, look, you know, look, all that stuff. So. There's, there's all of those wonderful. There's all that stuff. Look, there's all those wonderful motherhood ethereal, statements, but ethereal things that Justin actually said. What really happened for Gook is he turned <laughs> up to Lismore Uni. <laughs> And he and, and he never played rugby Let's before. Listen to Kate yeah. for and he looked, history. And he, this is absolutely true. Yeah. And he looked around as a nineteen-year-old, as a nineteen-year-old, six foot seven, ninety-two kilo praying mantis. And he looked around at the, at the of, various different university sports that he could play. Yeah. And he went to all of his <laughs> basketball team. There was his other ones. <laughs> and then there was the rugby club. <laughs> and they had come the to the rugby club free, free beer, beer, free kick of beer tomorrow night. And he said, "That's the group no. I'm signing for. That's true." <laughs> I want to finish on. Wasn't a I, I, I want to finish on two things, but the, the one story you told Going me gold rats. When, when we were away, um, uh, one, one of your sons um, got, got to mention the best best party on on, on, on the North Shore <laughs> oh, yes. when, when you were away. What happened there? Well, well, <laughs> tell the boy. Well, yeah, he's a ta- I've got talent in my family. They, this is improving improve everything you do yeah, every minute. Yeah, yeah, that's we, right, yeah. We, my, my wife and I went away, as you do, for a weekend. Yeah. The kids, my, my middle son, eldest was, let's call him 16, 17, my youngest, my middle boy, 14, 15, yeah. daughter, whatever yeah. she is, 12. Yeah. And we go away for the weekend. We go up to Lennox Head yep. uh, for the weekend. My wife and I leave the kids at home for the first time. We think, right, they're old enough now to stay at home. My eldest boy is 16, yep. 17. No problems. My middle son, of course, then <laughs> immediately organises um, the party. And, and we'd watch together the movie Project X not long before that. Gotcha. For anybody who's seen yeah. the Project X with this great party based on Corey Worthington back in the day, as you remember with the sunglasses <laughs> yeah. on. Anyway... We then, my wife and I get away and we're Saturday even, afternoon and I know full well that my young bloke's going to organise a party. And you're, you're hoping. <laughs> we, you're hoping, way, so let's get... If he's listening to anything I've said. Mate, yeah, let's get amongst right. it. Now's your chance, old mate. Let's get amongst it. And sure enough, I do the video call with him just to check that there's nobody there. He's got 50 people who are, as he's walking around like this, there's all these people who are just moving. Like, nothing going on here, Dad. quiet. Dad's on the phone. Anyway, of course, we come home and I'm immediately walking up the front steps of my house and my feet are Sticking to the stairs as I come up there, as the bourbon and coke is just going Body, off. Bodies on the front lawn, and I literally yeah. lick my finger, yeah. w- wipe it on the thing, and I just go, yeah. "That's bourbon." I yeah. know that taste you know well. well. I've been the private bin. Yeah, exactly. It was like <laughs> bin sludge for all those Canberra people. Uh, we come back into the house, and there are bottles, and there's oh, things geez. broken. Everywhere. There's stuff on the roof. It is just absolute mayhem. I say to the kids. What's going on? I immediately interrogate all of them. They all break down and tell us, yeah, we had a wild and crazy party. Anyway, my wife, everyone's up. We're all upset and it's horrible and it's all that sort of stuff. We're then driving in the car the next day and and it's still a little bit, it's a bit tense. Yeah. We had some funny times with that. In in fact, one one of the funniest things was my wife, that, that... the kids had actually thrown Corona bottles into the pool of the people oh, next door to us, <laughs> and there's all this. We can see uh, looking over the fence that there's all this, there's Great all this, neighbors. there's all this broken bottles there. My wife, I think she told you the story. Yeah. She has um, thought right during the day. I'll go and get them, go and get them out. Stealth mission. Yeah, yeah, stealth mission. Yeah. She put them swimmers on the some sort of Navy the Seal, Navy Seal, neighbourhood Navy Seal. Yeah. Knocked on the door. Knocked on the door, and our, our neighbours were a, a Chinese couple. Knocked on the door, thinking nobody was home, and the husband opens the door. She's there in a speedos with a towel wrapped around a snorkel and a thing just going. I'm just going to jump in your pool and get him out. Clean your pool up. No need. No need. Just like Jacques Jacques Cousteau, ready to, you know. Anyway, take, the, take on the deeps. We, we get, we're, we're heading, wherever we are heading out there, my son says to me, you know, after everything's said and done, said, Dad, look, just want you to know, there is an Instagram page. Yes. Who have um, nominated. Unanimous. Called, yes. called um, 
North Shore parties, and they've not they've <laughs> nominated me. They have nominated us for best yes. party of the year. So kids, you're gonna do something, do it properly. We're in final, <laughs> final three, and I'm like this one. Yeah. Well done, uh, son. Well done. Just, just to finish, um, a crystal ball. Who's gonna win the Rugby World Cup this year? Oh, that's a tough one. But you know, I will preface it. There's there's a lot of competition. This is the this is the most even, if you can say that, um, World Cup, long time. Ireland, genuine oh, world number I'll, one. I'll, I'll, I'll genuine yeah. world number one. Yeah. Not just, you know, no. beat New Zealand in no. Chicago and jumped up two places and it's full yep. gold. Consistently playing some of the best rugby in the world. Scotland, even the dark horses. New Zealand on the downward spot. It's not going to be New Zealand, I don't think. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I think it's, I'd love to think it's going to be Australia Beaver just because I'm blind faith in him. I think if anyone can do it, it's him. I've got to yep. have them as a smoky. But probably South Africa, the way they play, power game, everything about World Cups is what South Africa are all about. Okay. Yep. And then France, home nation. Okay. So France, Australia, South Easy Africa, that's not APIC, but no. let me no, just no, give no, you I'm that. I'm very similar. I think France will have home team that yeah. they're emotional and they've been good. They prepared. They went to the last World Cup, got rid of a lot of old blokes, picked a very young side so they had World Cup experience, knowing that in four years' time they were taking a group of 20, 21, 22-year-olds into their prime to the next World Cup. So they've had some decent preparation, the French. Um, and again, World Cups are, are unique in rugby that you've got to have seven weeks mm. of back-to-back tests. So the teams that survive are typically the toughest teams, the guys who can survive. That's why South Africa have yeah. won more yeah. World Cups than anybody else because physically and mentally they Up can deal with it. Yeah. They can deal with it. And on a tough side of the draw, Australia's yeah. got an easier side to their draw um, I don't think Australia will win. Absolutely yeah. not. Um, however, I think it, 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 it's going to come from South Africa, New Zealand, um, the French, yeah. maybe Ireland. I think yeah. we'll, we'll find a way to probably get through into the semi-finals, and then anything's, okay. anything's possible. Well, I want to thank you both for coming on lunch with Lee. It was great to catch up down at Gregan's. Um, this is what I'm calling the last supper because I start the men's shake challenge tomorrow. Um, <laughs> oh, but thanks, we'll boys. eat up with we'll you, mate. We'll Let's have up. a nice lunch, and uh, thanks, thanks again for coming on the show. Thanks, thanks Rod. Fantastic. Thanks, Justin. Good evening, mate. Thanks, Cheers. mate. That's it for Lunch With Lee this week. A big thank you goes out to our guests, Justin Harrison and Rod Kafer. Thanks to the Morrison Hotel for an unbelievable lunch here in the city, Rod, based on George Street. A fantastic lunch. You've got to come in the oysters and the steak. Out of control. So thanks to them. But make sure you hit follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. And do us a favour, hit five stars. If you're there and passionate, please leave a review. And come check us out on Instagram at I'm at Lunch With Lee. Our official Lunch with Lee photography was done by Felicity Kelly. You can find her on Instagram at Felicity Kelly Portraits. And once again, thanks to our producer, Dan McHugh. We'll be back next time to talk some more legends about sport, music and business on another cracking episode of Lunch with Lee. We'll see you then. This podcast was made by Afternoon Sport Group.